Um, but now I have for you guys another interview from a local filmmaker um, by the name of Jack Woon, an absolutely uh, wonderful guy who I spoke to about his efforts in the local Dunedin scene and in the rest of New Zealand and the sort of state of New Zealand cinema and how and what his method is and all that. So I'm going to play that one for you guys very soon. So uh, for all of you who are just tuning in, this is Non-Digetic. My name is Raf. I take you guys from four till six every Sunday and we do a dissection of film soundtracks, which is always fun. Um, but this week, because we have the interviews, I'm going to be playing just some good songs that I really like at the moment, as well as uh, these interviews. So the first one was with Dustin Fennelly, and I'm now going to play the interview with Jack Woon as well. And just so you guys, if you were looking to listen to them again, they are podcasted normally about Wednesday or Thursday, um, so you guys can have a listen to them uh, if you miss them. Um, but for now, this is my interview with Jack Woon of Unco Films from Dunedin, and I hope Hope you enjoy it. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Non-Diegetic and I am in the studio today with a very accomplished writer, director, producer, cinematographer and editor, Jack Woon <laughs> of Dunedin. Hello Jack, <laughs> nice to meet you. Good to meet you. Lovely. Well thank you for coming in today and you work out of Unco Films, a studio on Princess Street. Yeah, that's right. Just above Chipmunks. Oh, not bad. <laughs> Get uh, sounds of um, kids playing every Sunday, it was great. It makes getting some ambient very easy, I imagine. If, you... <laughs> <laughs> if that's the film, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true, if that's the film. Um, so Jack has worked on multiple feature-length films as well as some short films to critical acclaim and works closely with uh, Natural History New Zealand, which is also based in Dunedin further down Princess Street. Um, and I'll sort of do a wee description of some of the films in your catalogue just so that people, if they want to uh, find them, and they can find them, they're all linked on your website for Unco Films. Yeah, Unco Films, U-N-K-O-Films.com. Awesome. Uh, and so uh, here's, here's just a few of your short films, um, the ones that I've really enjoyed especially. So we have um, Venture, which is a short film that was uh, filmed as an exercise. I mean, I'm, I'm quoting you here, um, as an exercise in the aesthetics and workflow of Super 16 millimeter film. That's right. Yeah. So um, where did that uh, concept come from? Well, uh, I foolishly bought a 16 mil camera and the Arton XTR Prod, and um, I, I've been shooting on film for stills my whole life basically. I don't have a digital camera, I just love the aesthetics of film. That's I love the mystery of film, you know, you don't know what you're going to get after <laughs> you've taken a whole roll and you have to wait a week. Um, so it's a similar kind of process with 16mm and as we all know, you know, film is where it all started. True. Uh, these days it's you're making digital stuff and it's very easy but um, uh, you miss out on that um, that joy of discovering what you've made, you know, um, and, and the difficulty and, and the reward that you get from getting the shot. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Would you say that, uh, especially in sort of mainstream consumer media, we've, it's sort of an art that's been lost and the quality that you get from film is something that you can't get from any other, you know, uh, medium? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pros and cons. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout was shot entirely on film and wow, I immediately could tell the difference but 99% of the audience wouldn't care uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's definitely a lot of cost a lot of extra time and uh, you know extra skill required hmm. so I don't think it's a necessary thing to, to do uh, but there has to be a real creative decision behind it and I'm still undecided whether or not it's worth 
um, going that route to do your film, you know, it's, it's a massive cost. You might as well just tell a good story. True. Um, but so having said that, when I saw Mission Impossible just last last week, um, it just blew my mind because it just felt it felt right. It felt like the good old days of. Oh, wow. Going to the movies and and seeing you know Sally Lloyd being projected through, <laughs> so there's a lot of nostalgia involved. I don't know if it's it makes it a better film or not, but no. I I love it. So um, with your film venture, it follows uh, a young mother and daughter as they travel uh, through Auckland to get to an an interview and the revelations that follow that. And, and you wrote it as well, didn't you? Yeah. So the, the, I didn't write it; it was devised. So um, one of my earlier short films, The Great Barrier, was entirely devised by two actors. Um, wow. That was another experiment in film as well. So that was Super Eight film, and that won the best director, best. Um, you know, Best Picture Award at Show Me Shorts many, many years ago. And I was so chuffed by that experience because um, you go in, there's no script, but you give some direction and you let the actors be as creative as possible. So I cannot at all claim credit for <laughs> writing, um, but it's a basic structure and a basic story that I wanted. And the only thing I wanted in that film was to have that revelation, that turnaround. Mm. Um, so yeah, we rehearsed um, maybe two, three weeks and uh, let the actors come up with their own dialogue and their own kind of actions and on the shoot on the day, we just let them go throughout the city and, and have fun. Uh, that's so that's so cool. Yeah, I, I, I like discovering and you know, I'm from a documentary background as well, mm. so um, editing this kind of stuff is also enjoyable. You see little moments that you don't necessarily you know, think up of before beforehand. Yeah, true. So, um, letting actors uh, pick their own lines, uh, you know, uh, picking exactly how they act the scene and all that. Do you think that that freedom uh, enables you as a director to not like control the scene, but at the end in the sort of editing stage, have a more holistic view of like how they interpret, how the actors might interpret the film, and how then that refers to you and how you interpret it. I absolutely think it's important that. There is some improv, you know, the, mm. you can start with a script, um, but you need a little bit of, um, well, it depends what kind of film you're making, but I, I really, really enjoy the organic uh, kind of dialogue that forms from someone who feels feels like the character is being the character and, and plays it um, naturally. So that's the same in comedy as well. You know, if you watch something like Bridesmaids, and you see the funniest scenes, um, it's all improv, you know. They, they just let the actors go on for another two minutes after a take, <laughs> and you keep laughing. So I think, um, yeah, you, you, you see a lot of extra energy when mm. you're, you're let free, you set free. True. Well, um, uh, the nature of this show is that we talk about film soundtracks, which is also a cool part. And um, for the film Venture, uh, it was a soundtrack by Trevor Coleman. Yeah, uh, Trevor. Um, and I, I really quite enjoyed it. It was quite pleasantly optimistic, but was kind of like ethereal and kind of like mysterious at the same time. Because you let the actors improv and they and then, you know, it's devised. Um, did, did you have anything in mind for the music or is it just completely afterwards you match the music to the scene sort of thing. Trevor Coleman's an interesting guy. He's a, he used to be a professor here at uh, Otago University oh, as wow. well. He taught music and um, his his style of music is also improv. You know, his um, his technique, he called it, um, so he called it polycyclic improvisation um, where he, there's not just one musical cycle. There, he's blending a few, a, a few different parts 
playing different musical uh, musical cycles, and they'd meet every so often, but they'd be a little bit out of out of time, a little bit out of um, out of step, but then they'd meet in some per- some points. So he he had some really good ideas, and that was that was his research, his main um, main composition style. He was working on at the time. So working together with him was a was a joy. You know, I just go up to his his home studio, and um, we talk through some inspiration, some ideas, and he you know he's very easy to communicate with, mm. and he involved a lot of local musicians, um, awesome. singers, and cellists. Um, so yeah, it was it was very Dunedin made kind of That's music music score. Um, yeah, so the, that was that was a good experience, and it was a lot of that was Trevor just putting a lot of himself in there, mm. and um, and he he was really quite moved by the film as well, which oh, I wonderful. found really good. Yeah, no, it is it's it's a wonderful film. It is it is quite moving. I have to admit. Um, and I think that again, the sort of the honesty that a sixteen millimeter film kind of lends. This doesn't feel like you're. You know, it's been edited in any particular way. I think that that definitely added to it. Um, but let's, let's talk about a film, another one of your films that received quite a lot of acclaim as well. Um, so, Rising Dust, which was a short film that you just told me was set in um, northern Hokianga. Yeah, yeah. So it's in, in a place called Pangaroo, oh. and it's in the north side of Hokianga Harbour. The tourists always go on the south side of Hokianga, <laughs> where it's Openoni and all the you know batches down there. The north side is a real historical place. It's real, um, uh, quite rural and undeveloped, and um, a lot of people have moved away from there. So, Rising Dust is a story about uh, finding your roots. Mm. So, we sit in this place, and it's a story about a, a young man who's about to leave home for the city. You know, he sort of had enough of um, of feeling out of place and not like everyone else, and he wants to go to the city to to find himself. But then he discovers his ancestors, the, the place where his ancestors are, is what gives him strength. Wow. That's a wonderful conclusion, to, I think, to draw from a film like that. And I really like that. And you can really feel that. Because even in short films, it can often be hard to develop characters to a certain degree. But in Rising Dust, because it's also, and I think this is quite a cool fact, it's a, it's a hip-hop film like the the main formal medium of its expression is dancing that's right. fantastic yeah it started so cool. off as a hip-hop dance film yeah <laughs> that's so cool um and i think that uh through that medium just amazingly enough with very little dialogue you can develop characters excellently even in a short film so what gave you the idea for such a pretty abstract but awesome concept well we've always uh, my friend joel gallard who's he runs triple eight funk dance company uh, used to be in auckland now he's in melbourne um, he's a very talented dance dancer and a, a um, dance producer. So he helped to, uh, well, we came up with the idea together to make a dance film to rival, you know, Step Up and all these things. We wanted to um, put put dance on the on the world stage, especially New Zealand dance. And so starting from that, um, I, I thought, you know, what makes New Zealand special? Mm. Uh, we've got the best hip-hop dancers in the world. Um, you know, Paris Goebel, who was the choreographer on this film. Um, she's taken... A lot of the dancers from the palace have taken the world's stage wow. and become number one. And I wanted to hone in on what else makes New Zealand unique. Um, what about our culture makes New Zealand unique? What mm-hmm. about our landscape? And that's where the project kind of developed. Yeah, well, I think you ticked all the boxes there in a truly unique area of New Zealand. It's beautiful. Um 
And then I have to admit, uh, for a short film and for something that people could describe and definitely did describe as independent, the uh, editing, uh, which I think you do most of the editing, don't you? That's right. Yeah. Um, and the special effects were brilliant. I love the visual effects. Like it was, it was, it was something else. So, where does your experience and all that stem from? Oh, I made uh, Dragon Ball Z spoofs when I was thirteen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, um, I delved into CG and After Effects and all these um, things when when I was younger, and I've always I've always understood special effects, mm. and I've always understood that the best special effects come um, when you've got something that is based on reality. Mm. So a lot of the special effects in Rising Dust isn't created by a computer. It's it's things it's dust that we've filmed against oh, wow. a black background, and so the dust moves like real. Um, all these things are, are filmed rather than created. So the the trick there is to blend them into the into the shots and and to um, spend the time doing that. But the the main trick of special effects is keep it real. I love that. That's brilliant. I, I had no idea. That's such a cool way of doing it. I hadn't even thought about it like that. And I think um, considering that you, you said it like that, it's, it honestly felt very seamless. And I think. Do you think uh, that people are often surprised by the caliber of? editing special effects and the ability that independent and short films seem to present because every short film that you've done that I want to talk about today has been very seamlessly edited and I think that some people nearly expect an amateurness or an amateurish you know feeling when they watch a film so how have you avoided that how have you maintained such professional you know mm, I don't know um well the, the the job of the editor is to make your <laughs> make the editing invisible so you don't want to be able to notice editing True. Which is why whenever I see a Best Editor Award, I just I don't know how they tell. <laughs> I mean, if you've done a good job, you shouldn't be seeing it. No, so um, uh, yeah, that's that's the number one thing you should be focusing on is to make the editing seamless. So um, I've done editing my whole life, so I, I'd hope that it is professional. <laughs> um, um, a lot of a lot of people focus on getting seamless editing, but that may or may not be the priority. The priority is mm. to tell the story, and I've come into many situations editing, you know, some of my friends' feature films, and uh, even my own films, where I've just had to decide, hey, this cut doesn't look right, but um, it's, it may be a jump cut, but I'm going to do it anyway because it just moves the story along better. Oh, fair enough. Something like that, yeah. Oh, nice. It's nice to meet a very, a very committed storyteller. I think that's quite awesome. And um, so you mentioned um, sort of your friends' feature films, and I want to touch on um, uh, some work that you seem to have done with quite a few Polynesian artists and filmmakers, because you've gone, you've delved into Maori culture and identity, and then also you've helped out with a lot of Polynesian productions. So you worked a lot with uh, Stallone, and I'm going to mess up that last. Stallone Vaunga Yuasa. Thank you. I would not. AKA SQS. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to call himself. I don't know why. <laughs> so, how long have you known him for? And what, what what's been the highlights of your guys? You know, Stella, Stallone is uh, possibly my my brother in film. He's my best friend, oh, wow. and we've worked together in university um, since meeting him in second year. So, oh my God. Yeah, he, <laughs> I still remember the first time I met him in documentary class. He. He said, uh, well, we were being asked, what's your favorite documentary? And he said, uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so he's just that kind of guy um, who's incredibly, incredibly talented in so many ways and a natural-born leader. So we, he's built a community around him, and 
basically every every Polynesian, every Samoan film I've worked on has been from this community that he's, wow. um, you know, he's sort of spearheaded. Uh, Stallone has sort of started in a new wave of filmmaking or independent filmmaking in Auckland where um, people people realise that it's possible to make independent film and to make it sustainably. So his films have broken even and made huge amounts of profit, especially Three Wise Cousins, the first one. And a lot of people are uh, really curious to understand how he did it. Mm. And it's the main reason is because of a very loyal audience and to understand what your audience are looking for in a film. Once you know that, then they'll obviously buy tickets to come and watch your movie and you're <laughs> going to make money. So, um, yeah, sustainable filmmaking sustainable independent filmmaking is um, is what he started that's brilliant I think that that's quite important because unfortunately however fantastic it is to focus on just producing something for the sake of producing it, it like you say it's not very sustainable in the long run which is I imagine a difficulty you must have gone through at first when you were fresh out of university trying to make films yeah I've never been sustainable <laughs> most, <laughs> most New Zealand filmmakers have not been sustainable we rely heavily on government funding um, mm. without the New Zealand Film Commission most of our films wouldn't be made we wouldn't have hardly any New Zealand content so it's been a big problem for a long time mm. um, how do we make films sustainable how do we keep putting New Zealand content and make people want to see it and you know Taika is just another example of, of it working out so I'm really excited to see mm. what happens next and, and what this inspires I know, for sure. Um, and uh, you worked with, just to go back to sound as well, you worked with someone whose name I can't say either, but Matthew, who is anonymous with for the music for... Um, yeah, Rising Dust. So Matthew Salapu did um, Rising, Rising Dust soundtrack, and um, he, was a, uh, he was very interesting because he was a hip-hop artist mm -hmm. who worked with the orchestra. He, worked, he, wow. he bridged classical and modern really well, which was exactly what we were going for for Rising Dust. And um, so he he also works with a lot of natural sound in his hip hop. Um, he's just he's a very creative. He's he's pretty pretty creative genius. Yeah. Um, so it was good to to see him you know come up with a little bit more artistic ideas to to be a bit more cinematic with his hip hop. Mm. That, that, that's awesome and you can tell I have to admit the feel that you were going for um, the classical mix with hip hop comes through so well and it matches it perfectly and that's something I found watching your films is that um, <clears throat> the intent is always very clear which I thoroughly enjoy because often and however nearly gratifying it is to figure out a film like two three days after you've watched it often uh, you lose the message and the audience doesn't fully understand what you're going for but the messages that you've uh, communicated in films like venture and rising dust and um, also i want to talk about another one that you helped with uh, tohunga um uh, that sort of a, a consistent theme of like identity i think has been quite prevalent which i thoroughly enjoy mm. um and you did the cinematography for Tohunga as well. That's right. Um, and it was you told me it was set in or filmed in the same area as yeah. Rising Dust. So what was your connection to this film? How did you get involved? Uh, very another good university friend of mine, Rebecca Collins, was the director in the film, and um, that's her home. I mean, that's one of her 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 that's one of her um, home marae, homelands. Oh. So we went up there to shoot. She knew the place very well, and she introduced. Well, uh, brought me into her home, which was which was very touching for me. Yeah, 
That sounds lovely. Oh my god. So definitely a, a, a privilege in a way, I suppose. Um, and the, the the plot of the film is very unique, um, talking about the sort of loss of uh, culture and knowledge that comes with the transfer um, from Tohunga to Tohunga uh, that was stemmed by the uh, the Tohunga Suppression Act of 1907, That's which right, was listed yeah. at the end of the film. Um, but then it was repealed under the Māori Welfare Act of 67. But um, And you've talked about cultural loss of identity and all that. So... Do you think that in between then and now, a film like this is the only way you can really understand the struggle that people went through in that time? Well, there are many ways to understand the struggle. I mean, the struggle is still happening today yeah, <laughs> that's true. in sorry. many ways. <laughs> oh, well, don't be sorry. Um, yeah, it's, the, I think in recent years, there's been a sort of revival in, in this kind of more holistic thinking to mm. life. And uh, traditional medicine in particular is is. You know, a lot of people are, uh, are very curious about it, whether it's uh, traditional Chinese medicine or traditional Maori healing. Mm. Um, you know, just recently I saw um article about the, uh, I forgot what the name was, uh, what his name was, but it was about the Maori calendar, Maramataka. Oh, wow. And that's uh, based on the phases of the moon. Um, another filmmaker friend of mine told me about it as well. So... Um, a lot of this kind of tradition is uh, culture is now being looked at and and researched and um, and a lot of people are, are trying to find out how to use that in today's life, you know, modern life. So uh, I think um, it'll always be interesting to people not to forget history and not to forget where you know where these cultures came from and and the strengths of traditional methods rather than just thinking, you know, what what app can I buy to solve this problem? <laughs> um, you know, shortcuts, basically. Yeah, no, true. Yeah. And I think I can I can definitely feel that, even with, like, efforts like Venture, like you say, where it might take a bit more work, but if it can communicate the message any better, it, it, it you know, it might be more expensive, but it can be worth it in the long run, which I think is a great totally, thing to yeah. take away from this. Yeah. Um, and you're working on a film, another feature film, and you're in the post-production at the moment, Same But Different? Uh, so yeah, I'm working on a film, Same But Different, uh, by Nikki Siolepa. She's also Samoan, and her partner, Rachel, is the producer. Oh, wow. And so a st story about them, actually, and how the really? two of them met. Um, so it's a really simple love story rom-com and I love that it's just a rom-com and it just happens to be two women who love each other yeah. so that's currently being edited out of um, out of my suite in Dunedin that's so cool because I think that uh, at least has seemingly become more popular recently at least just a simple love story between two people who's already involved in film production like I watched The Big Sick a little while ago and that felt like quite a similar effort I think mm. it's really nice to tell simple stories but um in a way that it's very like the story is still powerful and it still means a lot that's right. in a modern context yeah 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 um so i've just got a few questions for you left um so this is a difficult question so don't worry if you take time to answer but um what project that you've worked on so far would you say um you've been most pleased with the finished product Ooh, this is tough <laughs> um most pleased with the finished product i would have to say most recently of the one I've given most into and the one that is more most me is Rising Dust, the short film. Um, I was involved from start to finish and and really, really enjoyed all the challenges that came with it and the discoveries, yeah. 
That's awesome. And um, would you say that um, you you're still perfecting your directorial style and your writing style? Absolutely. I'm nowhere nowhere near done. <laughs> I'm just at the beginning, really. I'm an amateur by world standards. Um, well, I think that if you're amateur by world standards, then amateurs better watch out. <laughs> um, but um, do you have any other ideas or projects coming through the pipeline that's you know really got a piece of you in it? Definitely. I've been working on a, a, a script for four years now. Oh, wow. I've been scared of writing it, and now I've actually set myself a deadline to submit to the Writers Guild Seed Grant so that I can have someone look at it <laughs> and not just nurse it by myself and mm -hmm. doubt myself. So, um, yeah, that's that's due to be finished in this month. Oh, wow. Um, so... I'm I'm pretty much through with short films. I've decided I, I need to go ahead and make a feature at some That's point. Fantastic. Though. Yeah. So it it'll definitely have your own signature on it, your own style, and then soon we might be saying, "Oh, that's a that's 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 a wound. That's a that's, yeah, that's, that's a, a wound. wound. <laughs> I like that. Sounds good. <laughs> no, I don't mind that either, actually. Um, and then uh, of course, a very pertinent question. Uh, NZIFF starts today. Oh yeah. Uh, any highlights that you can recommend to the audience that you think are going to be definitely worth watching? Um, super excited about Shoplifters tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going yeah to by that. Hirokazu Shikoreeda. Um, and I'm going to Woman at War tonight. I put out a Facebook post to my friends asking, hey, what have you guys seen up in Auckland and Wellington? And they gave me a list of like 100. <laughs> um, it feels like that. Eh? Yeah, so I think I've been told that this is going to be an incredible festival basically lucky dip anything and it'll be enjoyable oh and the God. best thing about Dunedin is you can just walk up really <laughs> it's so easy to just go and see these films oh. get a five trip pass and enjoy your time god yeah no I thoroughly agree with that um so thank you so much for joining me today Jack it's been fascinating to thank you your brain yeah it's been great yeah, it's also enjoyable. so great to hear from a local producer of films as well yeah totally yeah, so Jack, Joe Dunners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dunedin, Dunedin Focus. I like that. And I think if we can have the new Dunedin sound, we can have the new Dunedin picture and the new Dunedin, you know. Hope so. Well. That's what they're all talking about. No, right. Start a film industry down here. It will be good. <laughs> that will be good. I would not mind. Um, so uh, this has been an interview with Jack Woon, who works out of Unco Films out on Princess Street. I thoroughly recommend going to his website. Um, and checking out some of the productions he's done. A lot of it is available on Vimeo, and if you're really keen, maybe purchasing some of the feature films that he's worked on as well. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, back to me, I guess, in the future. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, have a great weekend, and enjoy the film festival. And thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Hello. It's me from the future. No, so, yeah. So that was a interview with Jack Woon, a writer, director, and producer based out of Unco Film Studios on Princess Street. And we just chatted about his catalogue and what he's been up to and what he's got planned for the future. So if you want to check out Jack's stuff, you can go to his website. That's Unco Film uh, Productions. Uh, and you can watch most of his films. And like I said, you can purchase some of his films as well. Um, but definitely worth a look. It's great to look at local talent in Dunedin.